This podcast is sponsored by Smokers Abbey. They've got everything you could want. Craft cigars, quality pipe tobacco, a huge liquor and draft beer selection, everything you need to find rest for your soul. Smokers Abbey has two locations around the Nashville area, one right in the heart of East Nashville and the other over in Gallatin, Tennessee. So what are you waiting for? Head over to Smokers Abbey today. They're open late. Buckle your seatbelt and hold on, where Nashville music scene comes alive, right where you are. You're listening to Notable Nashville Podcast with your host, Groove Dr. J. Don't miss a beat. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into Notable Nashville Podcast. Today's guest is the very talented Charlie Witten. Charlie, wow. how are you? I'm very talented. Thank you, you are. You are very talented. <laughs> I've been a fan of you for years. I was just saying, like we go way back from like 2010 is I think when I met you. I was like a sophomore at Belmont University. Years, 13. Yeah, yeah. So um, my best friend was like your roommate. So I was always out at your crib, like you spinning records and cassettes and all that stuff. So kind of the 70s vibe in your in your house with incense and everything. Always, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was a, that was a fun little bungalow, and we had a lot of good college. Times. What was, that, what was it? Well, who was your other roommate? Jason? Jason. Jason. Jason Huey. Jason Huey and yeah, Luke yeah. Skyler, who's now in. Prison. Oh, Luke. Yeah. I keep in touch with all those crows for Very the most cool. part. Look. So when when did you when did you actually graduate Belmont or did you graduate? That would have been I did, and it was in 2011. 2011. So I took four and a half years, and okay. December of 2011. So you were yeah you were the senior that I was lo- always looking up to. Yeah, I was the cool senior. <laughs> um, Spinning Billy Joel records. So what what did you what did, did you study uh, music in in at Belmont? I did. I transferred to Belmont from App State because I was denied into their <laughs> music school. <laughs> Dang. A part of me thinks I should have just taken that as a, <laughs> as a small hint. So I transferred to, uh, they were very limited, like 10 people. Uh-huh. And I didn't get in because I couldn't sight read for guitar. I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll just play them some Genesis. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, that's cool. And let me in. But no, I actually had to be able to sight read. And it was a humbling experience because I thought I'd be, uh, you know, I'd get in there and show them, show them some of my eight track recordings and then play some Genesis and it'd be a shoe in. But they're yeah. like, pretty stringent. So I didn't get into that program and I transferred to Belmont. Not even thinking about their program. I transferred there because I had a sister at uh, Vanderbilt and I wanted to be close to some family, but in a music town, uh, Austin, LA, New York, Brooklyn, all those cool spots. But Nashville was up and coming. I had no idea it was going to become home in the way it has. Yeah. But I transferred to Belmont, long story short, as a theology major. Okay. And I think under stipulations, that's the only reason I got into that school. Oh. So after doing a semester of uh, a bunch of religion courses, I I had some friends that were audio engineering majors and they had access to Studio B and Oceanway mm-hmm. and all these top this top notch gear, tape machines and preamps and Neve consoles. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll make, you know, religion my minor and I'll yeah. transfer to audio, audio engineering. So and you, Belmont's like, come on, you know, did, we're not going to freaking audition here or anything. So I just transferred eat lickety split. Did you end up doing anything with that theology uh, degree? It's just been a help in my life and my day to day friggin' life. But yeah. that's about it. So you you're know. a believer. Huh? Well, <laughs> you know, my minor is a spiritual, spiritual formation. And part of the reason oh, okay. it became that was because, you know, as I was getting down some of the, some of the other roads, this is a whole another story for a whole nother time. Another but time. I just, I, it, it, it opened up my noggin in ways I wasn't expecting. That's very cool. A good experience all around. So I don't know if you remember, but I, what, you had a drum set at your house and oh, yeah. I was like trying to audition to be in your band. You were just starting your, your music stuff. Okay. And I was, I didn't have the chops and that's nothing against you. Like I didn't have the drum chops. I, I am a drummer, but, um, you're like, nah, it's not the direction we're going on. Um, you know, it's okay. And I was like, that's, that's cool. Your but, memory is very impressive. But just to see, um, how far you've come from that point and just your music, like you put out, you know, 
four like full length albums, right? Yeah, I hate drummers so much now. I just use a drum machine, man. <laughs> I gave up on all you guys. <laughs> hey, that, that's perfectly fine. I'm joking because we don't, we don't, we don't, Listen, don't, we don't joking. really do anything. We just it's hit just, things. It's more, it's more of a control thing for me, honestly. Dr- drummers are awesome. Yeah, especially with the ones with the deep pockets and the really creative ones. But <clears throat> I started finding as I was enjoying writing music myself in my room, you know, and I, it's easy for me to. I got a bunch of these freaking drum samples from all these weird drum machines and I could just pick and choose from Have a rhythm ace and a, and a 727. I think that's a jet plane. This is how much I know about <laughs> music, but there's some great, there's some good tracks. 808, 707. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. 707. Thank you. Thank you. Well, but anyway, <laughs> and, but not, but then I was like, all right, well, then it's cool. Cause then you can affect those and put reverbs and, and compression and really mess with the drum machines and have different sounds. And then I can choose exactly where the instead of telling a drummer, hey man, hey, this I is love what, what you're doing, but can you just go So in your music, you mostly use drum tracks? In the last two, three records, it's been a lot of drum machine, and then we'll overdub the last one. So like, I'm Waiting at, is I think my favorite record. What was that, two two years ago? Uh, and 2019? Kami, and Kami Berrigan did like that really cool artwork with the cool colors yeah. of like the um, patios and the kitchens and stuff like that. That was cool, and we did that all to a cassette machine and with the drum machines. Wow. And then... This most recent record, Castles and Fireworks, was uh, written with drum machines, and then we brought in, bless Dom Billet's heart. Do you know Dom? I don't. He, we, I came over there with full, he plays with Andrew Combs and Courtney Marie Andrews and Aaron Ray and a bunch of people, and he's just an amazing singer, amazing percussionist and drummer, uh-huh. and just all-around dude. Well, I came over with these tracks already done, and I said, can you put drums, which is like really tough to do. Uh-huh. There's no click, no nothing, and he hadn't really heard them before. I just came, and I loaded one up, and I let him listen, and I said, I want you to come in here. He's like, all right, let me try this out. And he would just, you know, with the tracks in input mode for the for the layman now, he could hear himself, but we weren't recording over top of the track there. He would play along, and when he had something good, I'd say, yeah, let's do it. And we'd roll it. And it, he maybe do two takes, and we keep the second take, and that was it. So oh, like, wow. that whole Castles and Fireworks is him just absolutely riffing that's and crushing. Crazy. Play along to a pre-done track. Wow, that's crazy. But it adds that nice push-up bra. Yeah. That feel that an, a drum machine can't always deliver. Yeah. Even if I go in and I and I micro adjust each little snare hit to be a little bit louder or softer, which I do. So when you play live, do you have like a set band that you always play with or is it uh, kind of for the most for the most part yeah. I do. And it's the dudes that I record with. Okay. And if they're not available for a gig, I've got a few really awesome dudes that I've I have a history of playing with that I'll sub in, but um I love Robert Hudson. He's a great bass player. I've played, he's played on a few records. He played on Hey yeah, Love and great. Dreaming. David Stroud is my number one guy now, but we've played a bunch throughout the years. Dom, okay. if he's available, but he's always touring all so the dang busy. time. Yeah. So yeah, I've got, um, I call him Crows. Those are my C-R-O-H-S, my closest my closest buddies. Alad Shapiro, uh, bass. Stephen Page, guitar. Um, <clears throat> David Stroud, drums. And then maybe like an ox player or something for a big show. But that's it, man. Four, four, four or five dudes. Oh, and Blair White. He owns a music store, uh, Eastside Music Supply. Okay. Great place to buy pedals and use guitars and get your shit fixed. Excuse yeah. me. Stuff plug, fixed. Plug that. No, you can cuss on here. It's it's uh, and he's internet like, radio. And he's like a, a super <laughs> synthy. Oh, I can. Yeah, well, you he can. better watch out. I'm going to unload. <laughs> he's a super synthy noise. Like you can just take a finished track to him, uh-huh. which is usually what we do. Like he, he can, he'll be there to write with us too, but... Uh, Oh man, so long-winded it hurts, and I'm gonna hate listening back to this. We'll take stuff to him, and then he'll, you know, just candy it up with all sorts of. I'm yeah. going like this with my hand. You guys can't see what I'm doing, but he has this little thing that's a light. It's a light-sensitive pedal, and the closer the light gets to this little pad, the more oscillations are created and stuff. So it pretty much sounds like, all right, 
my hand is away from my other hand right now. If you can imagine that. <laughs> it's getting closer. And when it's really close, it's like it starts wow. sizzling. But he can then run through that through all sorts of other things. That's crazy. And it just adds that ambiance and that weirdness. I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's so He's got like this rig, man, and he it's just a noise rig. It's wow. amazing. So before we get into more music, I want to kind of know what you've been doing like in between music. I always see your post about the Eurovan. You still have that Eurovan? Oh my gosh, I've had four. And now the prices of them have skyrocketed. I can't afford them. Yeah. I would buy them broken. This one I freaking hodgepodged home from Brentwood with no brakes, just riding the, the you know riding the clutch and uh-huh. the e brake. And I got it home, and it, the smell was horrendous because I'd burned through the brakes. But we got it got it home. Oh wow. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I buy them broken and, and fix them up and sell them in Portland. I take these trips to go sell them. And then recently I look, and even the busted up ones are twelve k. And the good ones. That I would sell, I would, you know, buy them for two and sell them for yeah. eight. Buy them for three, sell it for ten. The good ones are on the t- like twenty thousand dollars. So I just missed. I kind of missed the boat, but I had a good. Time. Even the broken ones are twenty. Bro- broken ones like ten, twelve. Yeah, oh needs God. needs a fuel pump. It's like yeah, amongst other things, oh, wow. bro. And then you know, pop up canvas doesn't is ripped open. Had some rats have a million Jeez. babies up there. Twelve thousand bucks. <laughs> it's like well, I missed the guess, boat. Guess you can't be making money that way. No. So, um, but I do plan to take a trip in May and I'm on the search for a van right now to fix up. It might okay. not be a Eurovan. It might be else. a caravan that I just kind of build some cabinets in. Okay. You know, but that works. Whatever it takes to yeah. get you back on the road. And then did did I also remember that you were working for, for a flower shop, like flower delivery? Like, you know. Oh, I worked at that place through college and then even yeah, yeah. after college if they needed help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I met my wife at that place. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was married last May okay. to a beautiful lady named Lauren. We met at the flower shop. I was a delivery boy and she was a ranger. We had no idea then, no clue. What did you do for Valentine's Day? We went to Sunda in, tw- in the Gulch. I don't think I've heard of that. It's like, it's what, really, it was really what, good. What type we, of food? <clears throat> Asian fusion. Okay. Our waitress explained it as anything from Portuguese to Philippines to ch- Japanese. And I was just like, all right, slow down. You can't. <laughs> can't be mixing know, all that it's stuff It's 2023. Up. We can't. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we had a really nice night at Sunda and then went home and watched you know, I'm always late to the, the TV series, so we're just actually getting into Stranger Things, and I know okay, it's like cool. that's. I didn't real. I didn't realize you got married, so that's how out of the loop I am. Well, here's it's not your fault. I don't really. Man, you don't. I don't post much. Like here's the thing, man. When the when the when everything went to went to crap. Shit. I kind of went back. Yeah, I went to back to carpentry, and I started working full time for the first time in my life, and I slept in the same bed every night. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And I started, you know, pointing the sales. And I was like, I, I think I'd like to settle down. Out of nowhere, pop, universe, uh, Lauren appears. Hadn't seen her in six years. We get married. I'm like, uh, you know, before that, I, I was working downtown and schlepping beer while working another job to try to buy a house. Because I was like, I'm out of touring. I might as well try to buy a house. I've never had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So then I bought a house. And then I realized I'm domestic. Uh, and I just make records with my friends. Uh. And so I started seeing all the people I used to tour with going back out on the road and not inviting me. And I was like, I think they know. I think they know I'm that you're a domesticated, <laughs> a domesticated adult now. That's what I'm telling myself. Or I was a shit guitar player for all those years. No, you you're fantastic. No, like yeah. I absolutely love all of your discography, and I was actually listening to it today because I knew you were going to be on. I was like, I gotta brush up on this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but yeah, make time is probably my favorite record of yours. Whoa, just because dude, cool. It just like I don't know. It flows really good, and it just makes me feel good. And That's I love so I love nice. music that makes me feel good. You know. That came from a really fun trip. Uh, I worked with a guy, a fruit bats engineer named uh, uh, Nathan. God dang it. He's one of my best crows, and I can't remember his last name. So I'm <laughs> nervous. Just Nathan. Nathan's an awesome dude. He and his wife 
have some kiddos and they live in the, they were in Portland, Oregon. And they moved to Vancouver, Washington. And we, we did that most of that thing at his house and mixed it there. And very cool. I lived there for like a month and a half in his basement. So that for your, the last of my ramblings, I think when you're, I want to know what the process was like putting out your first record. Cause mm. I think that was 2012, right? Very um, good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, coming up to that point you probably written a lot of songs you were you were joking that you're not a songwriter you're a very good songwriter That's and i love the stories that you tell in, in Thanks, your songs man. um so what was at that point you're like okay i'm gonna put out this record and i'm gonna continue putting out music i'll tell you what it was what free time at oceanway oh, okay we need something to do we couldn't find a band yeah. i was like i have a couple of these things i went to up in the room where i was recording and i uh, dreaming is two chords and i was just like oh, am I dreaming? and i did a little demo of it and i gave it to the boys and we tracked you know, we tracked that first record at freaking Ocean Way. Yeah. Now, it doesn't sound like because we were kids trying to figure it out, whatever, but at the same time. It's a fantastic studio, though. Yeah, and we did one song at RCAB. It was a yeah. Takes One, Takes One to No One. Okay. So it's like, yeah, we were just try we were like, I was really interested in recording. The songs were an afterthought. I wanted to learn how to record better uh -huh. and hang out with my buds and figure some stuff out. From there, I enjoyed that. And then we started using <clears throat> cheaper studios and cheaper studios. Like Sound Emporium was where I did Hey Love and then. I think I did space, what well, they cannot space bomb, bomb shelter okay. for playwright. And then I was like, cause it got tougher and tougher to spend money. I, come on, there's a way I'm trying to follow this train of thought here and I know I can do it. Now I'm, do, I'm we're doing stuff all with our own gear at our houses okay. and it feels the best because I think the process got away from, man, you know, like paying for studio time. It's, it's awesome. It makes sense for a lot of people to do, to do that. And for me at the time, but when I have time now to tinker, in a way I didn't have time to when you're booking a four hundred and fifty to a thousand dollar a day room. It's it's really fun. Yeah. And then it's ours. We own it. You know, we ran this eighties thing that's supposed to boost bass on a you know, home listening for cassettes. It's a D Dolby DBX like bass booster. We put it on our you know, on our kick track for the drum machine and the bass and then we had this weird like push-up bra sort of the phrase of the day push -up <laughs> do, bra do you think track. that do you think that outsiders listening in uh, <clears throat> would have any idea that you recorded at your house um as opposed to like records at ocean way i mean i i you know i studied audio engineering too i can't really tell the difference between like a professional studio where you, the gear that you use like in at your house can be exactly the same or same material uh uh, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for uh, quality of material you know yeah that's the thing and that uh, I don't know it is I haven't I've never even thought about to we had this interview but really like my records have as far as the recording quality goes started at the pinnacle like at Ocean Way uh -huh. and now it's like Blair's basement you know or we're at Steve's house and he built a little dad do in his backyard where we keep a scully tape machine and a few other odds and ends and it's like that's what we're doing on Sundays that's yeah. our day we go there we hang out, we talk about our weeks, we spend a good four hours working on maybe a track. Some days we just add shaker parts. Uh -huh. Other days we come up with a new song and we track it. And it's like, man, I just feel like as, as disconnected as I am from um, <clears throat> being in the scene or uh, I, you know playing guitar with people, or um, I feel really disconnected to it, but at the same time, I'm really doing all I've ever absolutely wanted to do you know that's very cool with people that i really respect so so i want to know kind of how station wagon came about because what is that project if people have never heard of it before station wagon was a fever dream of a few really talented some of my favorite people as far as musicians musicians go in nashville and i don't pete was the you know the guy behind it pete Lindbergh is a great songwriter he's currently living in maine but he lived in nashville for a long time and he's had some awesome co-writes with all sorts of great people really humble 
interesting cat. Vegetarian, one of those types, you know. Oh, the vegetarian type. Yeah. Um, we all know those. Passionate musician, <laughs> very eclectic taste, very well developed in his, um, his palate. Uh, it was his idea, and we got Mark Fredson on keys because he's just, we wanted to be able to sing, like, you know, four or five part harmony. Mm-hmm. And we did. Brett Resnick was on the steel guitar before he, you know, took off doing all his fun stuff. He'd still go play any time, but. So with a lot of the harmonies in your music, do you, do you record them yourself? Like as the, because uh, I, I don't know, I was listening to one album, there was a lot of harmonies and they sounded like you. Yeah. But do you bring other people to do harmonies or is it more easier, is it easier for you to do them yourself? Easier for me to do them myself, yeah. but sometimes you want that other flavor. I personally love the way my voice sounds stacked upon itself. Uh-huh. I could I listen too. to it all day. Yeah. I love it. I almost want to do a recording of this and I'll go back, listen to it. And I'll talk like this <laughs> over top of it. And I'll listen back to it again after recording that one in my let, Pro let, Tools. And that. then I'll do, yeah. <laughs> but I, have, I think I have like a weird timbre. You know, I'm six foot six. You wouldn't think it listening to me. Towering. I'm, I'm a big dude. Yeah. And I've got a big chest cavity, but I've got these tiny little vocal cords. Uh-huh. And you can hear it in my voice. It's constrained. But when I sing, I think it's an interesting thing. It is, yeah. But sometimes I do like getting other people to come up and sing. Um, yeah, Mark's sang some harmonies for me. Okay. Molly Pardon, Aaron Ray. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's cool when voices blend like that, but it's way easier for me to have fun and just, again, it's like, for me, it's time. I feel, I would feel bad sitting Aaron Ray into a room and say, if we could only make time. And then Aaron, this is your problem. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. No, but I can go into my room structure. and just press the button all day and try stuff right. out and then oh, I'll keep that. And after hearing it enough times, like, well, why change it? That's yeah. fine. So, you know, I find it funny that you say you're not a songwriter because you're, like I said, your songs tell stories and I want to know the story behind the EP that you put out in like 2017 Playwright because that has kind of a cool uh, narrative to it, like that whole EP. Um, you, you write all your stuff, right? Or do you write yes. with other people? You write. I wrote write a lot of make time with a few different people. Okay. I wrote one song with Andrew Combs. I wrote one song with Caitlin Rose. I wrote one song partially with Mark Fredson. Okay. But for the most part, and I thought that'd be fun to do for that record. That's yeah. because it was a very singer-songwriter kind of record. But um, yeah, and I only say that now because I just simply write music and repeat the same thing over and over. <laughs> Honestly, like the last two records, pretty much are just me. Just but could you divulge into the story of like uh, the playwright mm. uh, song, or you know? Well, you know, man, it's like a you know that that song all came in one foul swoop and I wrote it I think on a, a puke bag on an airplane you know but, but it was like she's a hopeless romantic and she'll write everybody in I just had this playwright analogy with a girl who was manipulative and and kind of uh, didn't know what she's looking for and I was hurt in the process just as much my fault but it, in, at the time you know it felt really good to just take some stabs at somebody yeah and that's about as, as dark as I've ever gotten in songwriting I think is that song wow so Which is, and by dark I mean you know uh, <clears throat> just a, emotional yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, it was an emo song, dude. Well, I like it. That's why I asked about it. I Thanks. Like, I like that. That, was, that might be one of my favorite sing, songwritery songs. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I felt like I did that little songwritery thing where you make analogies and stuff that they do sometimes. Oh, for sure. Don McLean does that a lot. Yeah. Know? Jim Croce, <laughs> those, those guys. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about the recent album that you put out, Castles and Fireworks. Castles and um, Fireworks. And you said you, re- you did that all independently. Well, most of all your stuff is independently. Or is, is it all independent? Uh, no, that was very much the last two have all been that, that crew. Yeah. Yeah. I'll write it, you know, but then I'll bring them in and take a pass and then all right, cool. Okay. On, I'll go back and edit and stuff. So but that very came, much that came out, um, in the, was it summer of last year or no, November of last year. If I was doing just, my research, yeah, just, I wanted to pop one out before yeah, yeah. the year, year ended and I did. 
I think November. Yeah. So are you happy with the way it turned out? Oh, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I'll, I'll, you'll never catch me going back and listen to Dreaming or Hey Love or, or any of that stuff, except for nostalgia's sake, to say, oh, okay. look at a photo album. You know what I mean? To be like, oh, look at that chubby Charlie there. And, <laughs> oh, you were dating <laughs> that girl chubby. at the time, you know, and, or you were doing this at the time, or you were traveling here. They're little photo albums. But these last two, man, I just feel like, I feel guilty because I don't want to listen to them. This is me showing some stuff I would never tell anybody. I feel guilty though because you know your Spotify Wrapped or whatever. You know your most oh, listened yeah. to artist. You don't share. That. I don't want it to. Don't I don't want that. it to ever get to the point where it would even be up there. So I limit myself. But I really do enjoy. I just because it's not just me. It's like, yeah. wow, what did Dom do right there? Oh, Steve came up with that in the moment. It was one pass. Like Steve, you'll bring in there. He's got a baby, and he'll go put her down for a second. Hey, Steve, you got a minute, man? I got your rig set up. You know, and this, the, the chorus on. I like the tone. Will you do something? And he'll go in there and like absolutely put something down and be like, I don't know. And I'll go back inside. It's like, dude, that was, you're a genius. That's man. crazy. It's like, and I, you know, I'm no one to call anybody a genius, but it just, it, when I hear people do stuff like that, it causes such an emotion. That's, that has to explain it. Yeah. It's like, wow, you get something deeply, dude. So can I ask about the future <clears throat> of Charlie Witten now that you're domesticated and married? Are you dude, we're, still working on stuff? We're still making, like Sunday, come to the studio. Okay. Come hang out. Yeah. We'll I'd be love there. For, we meet up around noon. And go to four or five, or sometimes we'll do, like, if people have stuff going on, we'll do, like, five o'clock till nine or something like that. Okay. It's very chill. We've got four songs pretty much done. Yeah, and I, I want to do one a year. I want to do a record a year. Are you putting out, like, singles as they come out? Or no, I've you, never you, really... Or are just doing a full album? Yeah, I never really... I just... You're not the singles person. I'm not. And I'm also not the promotion guy, which is terrible, because I think people would enjoy this stuff. That's the sad part, is I think... I think people, based on the feedback I get from those who do listen, it's good. So it's like, well, if you just put it out, why not put it out for more people to hear? But I don't know the whole PR thing, and I'm, I'm not good at navigating that. And it's no excuse. But, like, it, it is weird doing the self-promotion thing because, man, this is Nashville. Everybody's making music that they believe, yeah, for sure. they believe in or they think is cool. I'd like know? to urge you to be more uh, self-promoting because I, mm. I want more people to hear your stuff. And thank you for coming on the show because... Like I said, I've been trying to get you on for a while. You're like, nah, kind of well, dabbling well, in music, dabbling here. I'm not really, that's not really my thing. So I, I do I, appreciate you coming on. Well, in my head, I think these things stress me out. And then I get here and I do, and it's so much fun and it's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'll probably beat myself up when I go listen to this later about the stuff, the stuff I said. But no, for the most part, I think it's gone pretty good. And I feel like I've gotten <laughs> some points across. Yeah. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I do want to uh, play a track at the end of this show, um, maybe, you know, of your choice. I don't know which, if you decided which one you want to put on, but um, we'll place one in here. Maybe it'll be a surprise. Or do you, you surprises know? are good. It's, it's a surprise. I would do something. Yeah, man, dang it. It's hard. Well, Whatever track Charlie sends me, it will be here coming up. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay? It'll be tasty. But uh, Charlie, thanks again for coming on the show and uh, really appreciate you. Looking forward to all the stuff that you got coming out. It was a joy to see you again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to Notable Nashville Podcast, broadcast from Acme Radio Live right in the heart of downtown Nashville. Check us out on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you like it, you can also support this podcast on Anchor by clicking the link in the platform that you are listening on. Hey, until next time, thanks for listening to Notable Nashville Podcasts.